This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy pick of the week number 895. Brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. Hey, this is Josh Flanagan, and this is my long-lost, long-suffering, long-in-the-tooth co-host, 
Paul Montgomery. Hey, Josh, I'm just going to reboot real quick and then we'll be good. To- oh, are we? Okay, good. Yep. Yep. Back in the saddle. Good. You're out of practice. All good. All good. Now, we have done this, I would say, hundreds of times, correct? Oh, yeah. Yep. But we haven't done it, uh, just you and I, in a very long, and certainly on like the regular show, yep, in a very long time. It's just like riding a Josh. It's fun. No, yeah. Nope. <laughs> and that's okay. my fault because I don't do things early. Uh, yeah, you so, always tell me like, hey, know. can you do the can you do the pick of the week? I'm, no, I'm telling them. I know you know. I'm telling them. I know, but hey, it hurts hey, me. hey, man, can you do can you do the can you do the pick of the week? We're we're doing it tomorrow, or we're doing. <laughs> and like, I don't have a weekly comic book show where I cover the comics, where I read the comics <laughs> in a panic <laughs> so over like 24 hours. So I was like, ah. Uh, and then I beg off, and then you say, mm-hmm. next time, I'm going to ask a month in advance. And I'll be like, cool. <laughs> this, this time you did ask me a week in advance. Over a week. Re- yes. It was very yeah. good. And, and yes. And it's, that was is good. That, is that related to the fact that I'm now being medicated for ADHD? I don't know. But yes. Oh, my God. You're like the seventh friend. That is, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I feel like we, had, we attract Like this each year. Other. Yeah. Oh, man. Every week, one of us picks the book that they like the best from their stack of comic books. We call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about the pick of the week. We will talk about other books from the week. We will talk about the patron pick. And we will answer listener mail, should we have time? I would like there to be time because I think that would be a good time. We've got some good letters. There will be spoilers. Uh, You know what that means if you're listening. Paul, you had the pick. I did. It's been a long time since you've had a pick. I was shocked (laughs) to learn that I had the pick. But I was like, yeah, I can do that. Pick a thing that I like the most out of the other things. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah, so I went. I don't. I wonder what my last pick was. It wasn't the most recent issue of Birds of Prey. No, because this is the very first issue ever of Birds of Prey. No, this is like I don't know, volume seventeen of Birds of Prey. Number one story: Kelly Thompson, art: Leonardo Romero, color: Jordi Belair, letters: mm-hmm. Clayton Cowles. Clayton Cowles. Now, as you mentioned, we've done you know a few hundred of these. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also done several hundred of these getting the team together issues, and I love those. Mm-hmm. And I felt this was a very strong one of those. Um, this isn't, um, I don't think, uh, breaking any new or different ground. I just felt that it was executed very well and had a sense of character and voice that I really enjoyed. Um, and, uh, I think fans of the most recent Birds of Prey film, or I guess the only Birds of Prey film, um, but not the TV show Mm -hmm. would probably like this irreverent and fun take of badass DC ladies getting together to get shit done. How did you feel, Josh? I, I, I would not have, uh, rushed out to get. Uh, a new Birds of Prey book. I never really read it in the past. I think I'd probably read it a little bit here and there. Um, but I did see uh, that it was written uh, by Kelly Thompson, who is one of my favorite writers in comics. Sort of mm-hmm. one of the most exciting... Um, I mean, she's, it's, she's not new, but it's a newer voice uh, to mm-hmm. me, I think. And, um, and, you know, she's moving over to DC now after just a, a phenomenal, uh, Captain Marvel run, uh, big you know, long she, run on Captain Marvel, which yeah, I, 50, that's 50 what, issues. that's what I know her from. And I know she's done other stuff, but that is, I think the main thing. And I think, um, 
that's a that's a healthy inventive run on that book and um i don't know if it ever got renumbered but i felt like that was a robust <laughs> run yeah. for uh captain marvel and yeah, uh sure. cool that 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 her at the at the helm of that lasted that long so that's very cool yeah and it really let it have like you know the family thing where everybody got sort of developed and you know you you spent like like her uh her ensemble cast you know of of largely female characters but not and and but th- that's sort of neither here nor there in that it was just it was a great superhero team slash family book and so this is obviously going to be somewhat in that wheelhouse now had Kelly Thompson not been the writer on it, would I have picked this up or started it? No, probably not. Unless the patrons made me, that's a thing that could happen. Um, but uh, again, like the only thing I was really excited about was the writer. I, I, I don't have, I don't have much of a history with the characters, but then right away, right away. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, you've got, you've got uh, black canary. I'm going to almost say mockingbird. I might say it again because black canary and mockingbird, as far as I'm concerned, interchangeable from the Marvel DC world. You, you right away, you get uh, Cassandra Kane, uh, who was the back, my favorite Batgirl. She was mm-hmm. from my favorite run of Batgirl. Um, big fan. You move along. I didn't know anything about this. I don't even think I looked at the cover. So as we went through it and introduced all the people, it was like a surprise. And so then you have big Barda love big Barda. And I think that they, uh, she was written, sort of a really fun way. It wasn't exactly the same big Barta that, that Tom King wrote. Right. Um, and then you've got, you've got zealot, uh, from wildcats. Uh, and then, I mean, of course you have to have Harley Quinn in a book. Um, mm-hmm. but I thought, you know, it wasn't that bad. Like, the, like Harley Quinn, I get it. It's, it's a, it's a, for a while you had to have Wolverine in the book. Then you had to have Iron Man in the book. And in, in, in the DC world, it's Harley Quinn now. Uh, for whatever for whatever reason, you know, and I, I did. I really enjoyed. It. You made a pick of the week, and I said, I said to myself, I says, uh, yeah, yeah, that works. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I was looking. I was like, okay, I, I again, I'm not reading week to week. I'm sort of like reading every few weeks, and I you know catch up on what looks good and what people are talking about. And this is, you know, I was like, okay, I got to find the pick of the week out of this week's books, and so let's see what's available to me, and. I just looked at the pages, the sample pages that were out there for this, and mm-hmm. uh, the the visual yeah. style was just arresting. And so um, Leonardo Romero was not on my radar, but now very much is. Hopped on Instagram, followed him immediately, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and of course Jordi Belair brings everything to it too, and is a huge part. I think that is sort of like a indie, kind of like a, a flat color style to this, yeah. sort of a retro look to it. Um, is super fun, and um, I j- just, as the kids say, mm-hmm. the vibes got me. Uh, this book, there's a lot of vibes. I'm sorry, and I thought I'm, the vibe was a singular. I oh, thought it was a vibe. Well, I'm not. I'm uh, as you said. I'm getting long in the tooth as well, so I'm yeah. I'm just trying to catch up. Um, but no, I I think this has a great um so so Leonardo Romero. Um, what he's doing here reminds me a bit of like, um, Marcos Martin, um, Mm -hmm. like a, a Batgirl year one kind of thing. Um, a bit of, uh, Jaime Hernandez. Um, and I kind of like that little corner of when they make the big two superhero books look kind of fanographics looking. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so this was right up my alley. And the characters all have great voices. I I, I think it's fun that um, this is all, I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's not um, gotten to that last page, but there's a great little reveal as to like what they're doing. Um, and I don't think you need to have, I mean, this is the fallout from a lot of the recent DC event type stuff where the characters are, but you could just pick this up and by the end of it, know exactly what's going on, hundred percent, why they're doing what they're doing, the mission to, um, to go save, uh, Black Canary's little sister. And, uh, it's a really funny beat at the end that sold me. He's like, okay, great. You got me for next issue. Um, plus just the execution was great. So, mm-hmm. um, way into it. And, uh, oh, I, I really like the idea that, um, in this book, they kind of flip the script a little bit and the dudes get to be the arm candy. Mm-hmm. Um, we meet sort of two prominent dude characters, um, <laughs> in green arrow and grifter and they're just seen kind of like lying in bed partially yeah clothed and uh it's usually the other way around so that was kind of neat um and uh, it just felt very natural and um i don't know like anything about zealot but she's cool have you never read any um wild uh, the wild storm stuff not really yeah. i mean i i know in like i recognized her yeah, yeah. but you know I, there's been so many versions of her that I've read that's, over the years. Yeah, that's a thing that I, I have a hard time nailing down what she's supposed to be. Um, you know, but I kind of get it. You know, she's an alien tough lady. Sort of like space wonder woman. She's, she's like a, a, like a space Amazon. I think a little, yeah, but more hardcore like, than wonder woman. More like, yeah, an, oh yeah. She's a zealot, I believe, you know, mm. for her, I forget if she's Carabum or Damonite or whatever, I, I forget, but you know, she's, and she, you know, she's obviously a uh, grifter is going to be it's her, a K1, her Carab- opposite something. type Carabim. So they're yeah. the Cherubim. They're, they're angels. That's it. Damons. I, you know how long it took me to understand that? Like one day mm. I was like, Oh, angels and demons, you dumb shit. Um, yeah. This I, is a I, safe space. You here, mentioned Josh. something about along the lines of like the voices and the dialogue and just Kelly Thompson excels at that. Mm-hmm. And, and as a, as an artistic partner, Romero, by the way, uh, I just looked and there's been a lot of sort of short appearances on stuff, but a long run was on the uh, Hawkeye series uh, with Kelly Thompson. There's 13 issues. That, of that. makes sense. Okay. Um, so they worked together and then okay. I guess she did 10 issues of Shuri, which was written by, I can't see. Um, so n- not a okay. ton of stuff. I'm, okay. Now I, yeah, I remember that book. And I remember thinking that that was very visually striking. That Sherry yeah. book is very cool. Uh, he's a Brazilian, just for the for the record of that. Um, yeah, but like as I'm looking through it, I mean, like you just the way that you describe Jordi Belair's colors is how you would describe most of her work. Mm. You know, like a like a flatter palette. But in this, there's a different color theory thing going on. Uh, the the colors are sort of tinted depending on the scene they're in. It's almost like they're oversaturated in some places and undersaturated in others. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. And it's it, almost like like there's it's coming out of the lines in places. Yeah. It's like I, a misprinty thing. It's a one of those books. Thing. Yeah, it's one of yeah, it's one of those books where I wish I was smarter so I could talk about, you know, what's what's going on with the colors. Mm-hmm. Um I just know it looks cool. But yeah, flatter yeah. style 
And yeah, I, I, I don't think offset is the right term, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the print it's like registration a, is intentionally, yeah, is intentionally a little wonky as it would have been in the old days. Uh, it works really well with the art style. And at first I was like, oh, this is just like for a flashback or something like that. right. that's what it feels like. It's like, this is, we're, we're seeing something not part of the present. We're seeing a flashback, at, but then it, it carries on and it, it, yeah, it does. It doesn't go away, but it does transition into different yeah. Yeah, hues and, and stuff. I think everything is in the present. I yes. don't think there are. There's a, sec- well, there, there's a sequence in the middle where Batgirl fights Harley Quinn. And it f- oh, actually, no, that is a flashback. I take it back. That's a flat. Yeah, that's her telling yeah. uh, a story about her and, and Harley Quinn. Right. And then at the end, they're like, why did you tell that story? It was, it was funny. Um, and <laughs> she was like, no, she almost beat me. That's why I was. That- yeah, it's great. Because um, Cassandra Crane is the best. I'm a Stephanie Brown boy but uh mm-hmm. i can acknowledge that she's pretty great and what um what thompson does here is really sells you on why you would want each of these characters yes. on the team and then even concedes to harley quinn being like you need a wild card in there <laughs> so like charlie I just thought that was really strong and um yeah. uh, they set up a, a really crazy concept for their their first mission, at least, and I hope it's the first of many because this yeah. is a really fun, uh, creative team and a great cast of characters. So, really solid stuff. Absolutely. So, because Connor is not here, mm. we get to pull Star Wars out of the Star Wars corner, out of the out of the basement with which it's usually placed in the show when it comes up. We have Star Wars number thirty eight and Star Wars and Dark Droids number two part of a piece uh prominently featured at the top of the show uh and you you had suggested them which is good because i am reading these yeah i wanted to sneak that in there because i know that connor's got a thing where star wars i understand and i respect it he he holds star wars with great reverence mm-hmm. and he has a very rigid idea of what star wars of should everything. be. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um this i think is very fun and playful and may even fit in to what Connor would like from Star Wars because it doesn't get too heavy. But I do feel like we're getting away with something here. So, okay. Um, So what they're doing with this crazy dark droid storyline, and these issues are both by Charles Soule. Um, In what order did you read them? I did Dark Droids 2. I had already read Dark Droids one. I, I'm not reading everything Star okay. Wars. No, but, me neither. But and this goes across many books. But yeah, it seems is, like it, it's like it's in Bounty Hunters, it's in Afra, it's in Darth yeah. Vader, it's all and over the place. I don't read all those books, but it does seem like the stories are all going on on their own. Yes, it, to a certain extent. Now I read them in the opposite order, and then when I got to the checklist at the end, it felt to me like I did the right thing. But I don't think it would matter. On these so, two in particular, I think you could, as long as you read Dark Droids number one. Yes. Um, I am also, I hadn't been caught up entirely on star Wars. So I just jumped in on this one. Good. That's fine. And it was fine. Cause yeah. they, they d- star Wars has this little motif where they have like a title crawl at the beginning mm-hmm. of some of the things. And it tells you what's happening, what's going on. And in a, a lot of cases, whenever, even if you start on a, say an episode four of a star Wars, they catch you right up. So, uh, Let's start with Dark Droids 2, just because that sets up the larger conflict, which is that there's this crazy droid sentience that 
had previously run amok through the galaxy, like, like I guess hundreds or thousands of years ago, and was quashed by the Sith when it was, it, it was one of the periods of the Sith where they didn't have to ju- be just two. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of Sith. And they, so they like sort of put him in the Star Wars version of the Phantom Zone and this little disc. And um, now that disc is back out and it's basically kind of like Borg style assimilating, mm-hmm. going through all of the droids throughout the Star Wars galaxy. And it has this greater purpose that it wants to eventually take over the quote unquote meat, which I found that a lot of fun that it kept saying, I got to get to the meat um, because it just felt very Cronenberg and like kind of like gross and body horror and nasty. And the and idea, dismissive yes, of, a, of, of organic life. Yes. In the way that organic life is very dismissive yes. of the droids. So I, I thought when, when they announced this event, I was like, that's a really smart idea. It's a good way to do horror in Star Wars. And one of the creepier things that I guess Kieran Gillen um, came up with early on in this new Marvel era of Star Wars comics um, was the, the creepy uh, Afro droids that are like the dark mm-hmm. versions of uh, 3PO and R2-D2. There's an astromech and a protocol droid. At least you know their names, but I can't think of it. Uh, nine, 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 nines? Is that, no, that's wrong. Anyways, they're, the they're, they're the bad they're ones. They're not in this book. <laughs> and they're very creepy, and it plays on the idea that 3PO is a very silly, I call him Brass Urkel, um, sort of that's dismissively. Fair. That's good. Um, 3PO, not traditionally one of my favorite Star Wars characters. He's kind of annoying. But the idea of the, the fact that his face doesn't move, you can mm-hmm. do a lot of creepy things with that if you make him say messed up stuff, which is what Kieran Gillen was doing with these protocol droids. And it's, uh, by the way, it's it's BT one and zero, 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 zero. Right. You were close right off the tongue. Um, so that I like this, that it's super silly and ridiculous, but played super seriously. Mm -hmm. And I just think this is a really fun event to go throughout star Wars because the droids, uh, droids and like machinery and even like cyborgs, are a big part of Star Wars from every angle you look at it. So with the uh, uh, Star Wars 38, uh, which is Charles Soule and Matabek Musabekov, um, nice. it's Lando on an adventure with Lobot, sort of like a buddy romp. And I, the, the funny thing, Lobot is like kind of, he reminds me of... Um, like weekend at Bernie's Bernie. Like he's just being sort of dragged along. I, I thought of him more like Cameron from Ferris Bueller's. That also works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very much an eighties sort of vibe to it where well, it's, it, it's just Soul, fun. He had done the Lando series. Yes. That was like his uh, originally, which that was like his that, intro into Marvel. So, and now like he's the guy who's, mm-hmm. who's sort of running all of this stuff and has been for a while. And, and prose you know. as well. He's doing the yeah. novels. So, so uh, and he's he's made that his. Well, so what I, I think is is interesting about this story is that I really like it. I really like the first issue. I think it is not Star Wars in the sense of like the movies, but sure, like like anything, if it's good and interesting, it's fine. And if we're we're talking about because it's funny, you, just, you know, you said uh, um, 
like all like droids are just part of Star Wars. They're always there, but the sort of the canon stuff, like they don't really explore any of that sort of master slave sort they, of thing. They sort of flirt with it in mm-hmm. Solo, yeah, the Star Wars story, right. and they kind of drop drop the ball on it. the The idea of like a droid revolt, they kind of play it for comedy, mm-hmm. and it's weird because they. It's also there's a lot of pathos to that story, and it, and it goes some really uncomfortable places. Um, but yeah, this doesn't it it doesn't it's not going for like deep drama. It's no, it's pulp. It's it's you know it's, it's pulpy very pulpy. Horror. It's and I would I would say going back to like classic, um, like the original Marvel years as they refer to it, mm-hmm. Star Wars comics, where they they kind of have to, you know. Uh, storytell between the rain raindrops. Yeah, like they yeah. had, th- like when they were telling comics, like before Empire Strikes Back came out and before Return of the Jedi came out, they're like, okay, uh, they go to this planet where people are like horses, and <laughs> you know, so they, they it was very, you know, uh, kind of what the seventies sci fi that Star yeah. Wars s- supplanted, but they well, kind I- of had to rest on that because it- they didn't have the next Star Wars yet. It feels like they're skirting a line. They can't, and they shouldn't, I don't think, tell any stories that actually affect what happens later. Right. I hate that. Well, here, well, here's what actually happened in the background you didn't know about. That is unnecessary. So they're going to tell these stories in between the things. And all you need to know is that you know, between each of the, let's just say the first three films, those characters grew. They, they, they learn new things, their relationships, uh, advance with each other. Like that's clear as they go from Star Wars to Empire and Empire to Jedi. And like, these are the stories of how that happened. It doesn't really affect the narrative, the storyline of the larger Star Wars. And, And they're going in there and because of that, you can play with the genre to a certain extent. And again, like, you know, it doesn't always work, you know, in, in everything, but if it's good and it works here and it does, and it's, it's really fun. And like this, you know, like the, 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 um, what do you call them? The cult of droids. Those are great. Yeah. But that's so like, not, I don't know. I guess the, what are the, the, I think there was prequel stuff where it was kind of like that. Um, I'm such a purist. <laughs> well, there's just thing. I, I don't think like, even though this is kind of consider this is new Canon, mm-hmm. like this is technically within star Wars Canon. Now I don't really consider it like I, yeah, it's just fun extra stuff. Exactly, it's 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 sort of like a fun creative exercise to see what they can fit between this because this takes place between Empire and Return of the Jedi, and you actually in in Star Wars thirty eight they actually go to Jabba's palace, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I like, can't be- I can't believe Lando thought he could get away with that again. Right, so it's like there it, this is you know skirting right up to the line of where return of the Jedi starts. Cause like yeah. we, we go into the rancor pit and you know, Boba Isn't Fett this is there after though. No, this is no. Cause, uh, you're Han right. is in carbonite on up on the wall. So this is technically, I, I don't know if like Lando ends up staying here I and mean, that's, he's got to get through this part. He, yeah. He's so he's got to get up to this. Right. So I don't know if, if he leaves and then comes back, but he's wearing like the, the, you know, skiff armor. Yeah. 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 And so, like, they're setting the table there. You're getting very close. It's like, sir, you have this this window that's close, that's quickly closing as to what they're able to do. And so, you know, you've got Luke running around with the yellow-bladed lightsaber, and you got to, you know, how many more 
issues do you have until he has to lose that somehow and then build his new green lightsaber? Because that's what he's got. You got to get up to the point of Return of the Jedi. So I find that fun. Like it's a fun challenge yeah. to see how they do that. I agree. Um, it's sort it's it's a, it's like Mad Libs in a weird way, and and so I, I don't take too much stock in like the lore of it. I just want to see uh, like writers and artists that I enjoy and see what they can sort of what what fun they can have in that mm-hmm. sandbox within the limited scope that they have. Yeah, I mean it's like high value, officially sanctioned fan fiction. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's cool. I'm, I'm down with it. I'm, I'm really glad you put those on there because uh, I, I saw Dark Droids. You know, I know that this has been weaving in and out of Star Wars, and I kind of forgot that there was like a main story. And I, I really enjoy it. Also, just cover to Dark Droids 2, spectacular. It's great. All Star Wars covers should look like that. And it's such, and the Dark Droids, particularly the Dark Droids main series, mm-hmm. is such a celebration of all the cool droid designs. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, I have a friend who collects the the action figures, but he tries to stick mostly to the droid stuff. Mm-hmm. And even within that, there's like tons of them. There's dozens and dozens. And because you get the little mouse droids, you got the gonks, you got, you know, all the different designs, and they're great. And there have been so many over the years, and this is a fun way to celebrate that. Luke Ross is a a fantastic Star Wars. Absolutely, artist. like he 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 does the characters in such a way that you recognize them really well. They're not creepy, but like, and he draws the ships and and the droids really well. So uh, it's good. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all got to talk about endings sometimes, and uh, we are on the third issue of Swan Songs. It's uh it's another anthology series from uh, W. Maxwell Prince, who uh, had done um, the, Ice Cream the, Man. Ice Cream Man, which may be still ongoing. It's been around in Image for a while. It, it's gone very far if it's not still going. And then a series just like this called Ha Ha, which was, uh, I think it was about clowns. Each The theme of the stories is each was a clown, and he would write a story, and then uh, uh, another artist, uh, a different artist for each one would illustrate that story, and they had nothing to do with each other. It's just this is such theme. a fun idea, and I would love to do something like this. And yeah. I love that he's taking the opportunity to work with different artists who maybe wouldn't want to or couldn't sustain doing an ongoing series, like an issue per month or whatever. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but you can get to, you know, zero in on these great talents who have very unique styles. Interesting is that uh, the artist of this issue is Philippe Andrade, and he that is a name that I recognize because you were the first one to mention him. Uh, on this show when you were regular on it. Mm-hmm. I do not remember what the series was, but like Captain was, Marvel. You know, yes. Yes. It, but like, sometimes you'll say something like that. So it'll, because you were effusive and you enjoyed it. And I, I, I keep my see him. I go, Oh, this is that guy that Paul liked who knows how many years ago that was. But what was really cool here. And I think that if, if I were to guess is that this, this guy gets to do an entirely different story than he's able to do in sort of the mainstream work. And it also just stylistically the, the, you know, it's all, all the art is, Mm -hmm. is, is Andrade. And, and, you know, again, you're talking color palettes, you know, there's, there's pink and green, you know, and blue and orange, you know, and it's very uh, monochromatic and very loose too. It's very, very sketchy. Like it's just lightly. It feels like color pencil to me. I don't, I don't know what the, what the media is that, and, and you know, the process is, but to me, the effect is like a little bit of watercolor, but a lot of like colored pencil, like, in, like you see individual yeah. dashes. I'm sure it's really. digital. <laughs> um, 
I, I yeah, I, I've enjoyed all three of these. Um, like I read Ice Cream Man, like I read like one or two issues at the beginning. I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't like it. Sure. And now I feel like maybe you missed out on something because these two anthology series have just been excellence stacked on top of excellence. Just um, really uh, stunning. Um, the, the the cover uh, leapt out at me and I was like, oh, Philippe Entrade, great. So, um, and yeah, and you can pick up just this one if you wanted to. Yes. This was very nearly the pick. Um, it's it's so beautiful. Um, it's it's a it's a simple story. They have it's, to be because they're he, single issue one and done. But that's what he's really good at. There's these thoughtful m- minimalist uh, kind of short stories, like like really gets the craft of the single issue. Mm-hmm. You know that that introduces you and then is done. And I I think he uh, um, uh, Prince found a really nice balance in terms of stepping back and letting the artist do their thing. But also, I don't. He doesn't disappear in this. I that you can very much find mm-hmm. a voice to latch onto here um, in the narration. It's mostly narration. It's set up like this is the new Genesis, the new Bible, um, following a, a post-apocalypse, um, some kind of nuclear event, and um, it's funny. Um, it's uh, it's a bit of gallows humor, um, mm-hmm. and it's you start out with. Uh, two young people who were in bunkers. Um, they were able to get down there in time before whatever this event was happened. And they stayed down there for some time and now they're emerging and now they're basically the new Adam and Eve mm-hmm. and they bond over <laughs> a uh, not subtle metaphor. Right. And, and they bond over, he went down there with uh, just as the, the, the countdown clock was going, he grabbed a bunch of zombie survival guides and, went down there and then she had, it was like VHS tapes of um, little house on the prairie TV show, I believe. So anyways, uh, really funny touchstones, but then he's up there reading to her. They find a place amongst this thing that they call a tree, which is not necessarily a tree, um, but beautifully designed otherworldly creation from Philippe Andrade. And, Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, there are also some scientists who are in a bunker who believe that they can restart everything. They've got seeds and stuff and they come out and um, it all happens very quickly. Um, And so there's a button on it and I liked it, but I wish there was a little bit more time for it to breathe Yep, to get something more out of it, like that, and that's why it didn't quite make the pick. But um, I think it's it's really strong. It's a great like if if someone handed this to me, and I <laughs> and I was an editor, I guess I'd be like, hey, I want to hire you. For, <laughs> you know, tell whatever stories you want um, from both writer and artist. I just think it's a great showpiece, and it's uh, it's it's fun, and um, it doesn't feel even though it's a single issue. It doesn't feel slight. It's just it, I, I wanted a little bit more. That's fair. I, I, did, I really liked the twist, I guess. Well, it wasn't a twist because you knew that when these people like ran into each other, it was going to be a problem because, you know, everything they're both they both had really good intentions, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, they, they'd foreshadowed some of what happened. But I like so I don't know it's the spoiler, but the, like the, the some people are are, are injured. Mm hmm significantly and instead of like being there's like one final sort of word they say or you know like 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 yeah. like you you you'd be good do well you know like and i was like that's great 
You know, like it just was an unexpected thing. It was this little like sweetness. They all realized they'd made a mistake, but everybody understood why, you know, and they do the thing. Maybe they all die. I don't know. It's got like a little, like a, like a black mirror kind of thing going for it. Um, But just the atmosphere is just so pretty. And like, like if someone describes to you Mm post-apocalypse, you're not necessarily picturing what we got to see with this issue. Yeah. Because this is something very different. Um, and well, we've I unfortunately the, seen a lot of post, fortunately and unfortunately seen a lot of post-apocalypses uh, in the past the few years. And last fiction. issue was leading up to a, like a nuclear explosion. I think now this isn't necessarily a continuance, but it could be right. So let's see. Uh, so the second one was the end of a marriage it's called. Uh-huh. I and mean, that was Caspar Wingard. And so maybe the first one was the one where he had to get his mom like the the uh gardening magazine, I think. Mm. And everything was on a countdown. There's the like a the, there's a end of life story in a hospital. Um the next issue is about a guy who gets out of prison. Um it's just uh it's a great premise for an anthology. There's tons of like prose anthologies like this that like, you know, like Stephen King and Joe Hill will pop up in them. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're going to tell a bunch of stories about flight. Like that's that is one that they're all uh, horror stories that take place on an airplane. And like two or three of them will come out like every month at the bookstore. But for comics, I think it's even more compelling because you get to have the a different visual artist attached to it mm-hmm. and it's a totally different thing and so it's it's just really fun and a great way to find a new artist to follow uh whether it's to other comics or just to their instagram mm-hmm. yep, real so good. i like this quite a bit uh have you been following along with the the adventures of the fantastic four what's great about this run is that i've picked up whatever ones looked interesting to me yeah and just skipped out of the ones that didn't because this is another sort of anthology series where it's, have they all been one and done? Have any of them been two? Uh, I think they're all one. This is a two-parter. Uh, this is a, a, the town where a big monster sort of took over everybody. I think that was two issues. Did we say Fantastic? This is Fantastic Four number 704. Or 11. Or 11. Yeah. If you're nasty. Um, I would I would put, I would put uh, uh, Ryan North in among the smartest comic book writers who I have experienced both their work and speaking with. Hmm. And, um, and it shows like in every issue, Mm -hmm. it's, it's both incredibly impressive and well thought out, but also effortless in a way that it sort of makes it feel light and impressive at the same time, you know, and you know, like, so, uh, basically what we have here is, uh, Ben Grimm wakes up, there's a, there's a dog that, that. It's like they needed a supporting character and he's really cranky about this dog who comes around and and is hanging around with him. You know why? Because dogs know when people are good Mm -hmm. and Ben Grimm is good. Oh, and they've been living on a, in a farmhouse in Arizona? At aunt, his, is it his aunt Petunia? I believe it's her property. Hmm. Um, they've been there for some reason. Oh, oh, they blew a hole. Okay. There's the, they, they, they blew a chunk of Manhattan away, leaving a large hole uh, to send all of their kids and loved ones or whoever uh, out of danger. And in the time that the kids are gone, it will be almost no time. But on Earth, it will be is a year. So this is their year away. Okay. And so they're they're and they're hiding because everyone hates them. 
Um, so there's been all sorts of wacky misadventures. So uh, he, the dog is following him around. He wakes up. The dog's under the bed, and the house is falling down an endless hole. And slowly, he figures out that what is what seems is not what is. And um, you know, it's a very silly villain. Yes, like extre- an existing I, villain. Yeah, yeah, but you know, but sort of. A very, very silly villain. And I, I was glad to see that. I was like, just, yeah, lean into the, the goofy stuff, which which they have no problem with. And I, I keep bringing it up, but every issue is is just such a little delight. And it's so different than the Dan Slott run before this, which I loved. And and uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of great. I And I love um, the respect it has for Ben Grimm that mm-hmm. he's not, it, this is not a caricature like, if if some guest writer came in to do a Fantastic Four issue, you know, it's all about the the, the speech pattern. It's all about Yancey Street for the thing. And that's fine. That's a big part of it. But this guy's also a pilot. So he knows his, you know, aerodynamic science. And that is on display in this. And I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty cool that he solved some problems using science and reasoning and a dog <laughs> and uh it was just really fun it's really silly it's uh i was very impressed that it's all it it all flows together in a single issue again um i think it's a it's a bit of a, a clinic script wise um oh, yeah. in terms of having a, a beginning middle and end and uh it being satisfying and uh i love the, the the science stuff um and i thought it you know it felt real it did it didn't feel like you know pseudoscience or just like throwing quantum this and quantum that at it um so there was a there was a real the only thing that 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 holds it back that i just the, the art isn't anything to write home about so i was thinking about it's interesting because this seems like one of those runs where you could easily have uh um different artists for each one but it's been the same person, uh, Ivan Coelho. I think that you're right in a way, but I also think that it fits. It it it's kind of the right. I'm trying to think of a word that isn't bland, but it's sort of standard comic book superhero art. Sure, it's, and I uh, think that I think that that helps in this instance because if you had. I'm trying not to be offensive to the artist because I, I don't want to be because I think it works. And obviously, like this person's got the chops to do, you know, standard comic book stuff. But by doing that, it sort of masks. It would I think it would be too, too precious if you had like a super uh, um, original, like really creative artist on their own. I think that that those things would mesh. You want you know, it to would, be classic clash. in a way. Mm hmm. Um, but he's yeah, pulling I off I just, all the things he's pulling off, you know, the technical stuff, the house falling down the hole. The, yeah, the, you know, the I was thinking like, what does floating... this look like when you're the artist looking at the script and like, okay, there's a house and, and we have to see the underside of the house. And then he puts his arm through this, the wall of this hole. And I was like, it's very heady stuff to wrap your head around. And I mean, they pull it off. I, I knew what was happening the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, and I certainly, I mean, I, I think Alex Ross has been churning out some incredible covers, um, yeah. for this series and just in general, been just a lot of stuff lately. 
And um, I certainly don't think this should be drawn by Alex Ross. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's the right choice. But I get, I get what you're it, saying, though, yeah. It's because it works so well through the whole thing that, you know, I, I couldn't imagine a change to it. Rick Remender recently uh, had a long conversation with me on my Talksplode show, uh, which which just so happens to coincide with the launch of his his new series with Max Fiamara, Sacrificers number two. Number one was the patron pick. Um, had you had you been keeping up with this? Uh, yeah, yeah. What do you think? This is cool. Um, it's cool. I've had uh, a lot of respect for Rick Remender just as like what he's doing in terms of creator owned stuff, um, and to get to see, you know, uh, he's had, you know, pages or back covers or, or whatever with like all the covers of all of his creator own stuff laid out and just really crazy, very unique, very singular ideas, you know, things like low and mm-hmm. things like deadly class, um, just really cool books. And this is cool in that it's gross, but it's also such a mystery and and in the first yeah. book at the at the end of it um and i always appreciate um his little essays in the back um he's sort of like i'm going to luxuriate in not telling you what's going on and just you figuring this out as you go along i'm not going to hold your hand too much and that's i think if you go in with that understanding this is such a cool bit of world building and it's so grotesque and so nasty in places, but also there's that that kernel of hope that I think Remender always tries to bring. Mm-hmm. And this ended on a very surprising note. And um, I think if the weirdness didn't get you with in the first issue and being like, ah, oh, this is, I got to figure out what's going on. The hook at the end of this, I'm really intrigued as to where this is going. Um, yeah. And I think this is sort of the the critical moment in the series that, you know, you decide I'm yeah, I'm on board. Well, that thing about it is, is um, I mean, one, y- you uh, uh, you don't like, I don't know what this is <laughs> in any way. And, and I mean that in saying in the best way, I don't I don't know what it's going to be. It doesn't seem like other Rick Remender stories, but as he is a. Uh, you know, a consummate professional, a veteran, you can trust him. Yeah, there's a level of trust there. And that that's the difference is that, you know, there's a lot of books that you will, you know, try and they're from unknown quantities and it's kind of easy to go, you know, to 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 bail. But with this, like, you know, there's going to be something to it. He's not putting out stuff that isn't thoughtful. He, you know, he always works with the best artists that, you know, that are out there. So it's going to be worth it. Uh, you know, and if you end up not being interested or whatever, but it's not because you got shortchanged. It's not because they didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. And there's that element here that I th- it plays into it. It um, it fits in with this motif of of mystery and not knowing what is mm-hmm. going on. In that you're you're right there with these characters, these sacrificers that are basically chosen somehow amongst their villages, their people. Um, there's a pigeon guy. There's a a, a whale lady or ladies. Um, these sort of anthropomorphized, not, not anthropomorphized, they're sort of mutants. It's kind of like a, like a TMNT mutant style thing going on. The birds are anthropomorphic. Yeah. I think. 
but it's not it's it's not cute. <laughs> when I yeah, think when, I think when I say anthrop- when we say anthropomorphic, you think like Disney's Robin Hood, but this is mm. this is gross. <laughs> um, and uh, and that I, that plays into it. But and there's also like human looking creatures here too, and they're all chained up, and they're being led somewhere. And there are some people, some of these chosen that believe that they've been ostracized their whole lives and mistreated and tortured and they're being led to their doom and then other ones who have been sort of revered and and sort of put on a pedestal and they believe that oh this is for the greater good and they have sort of a a religious zeal to them and are excited about where they're going and then when you get to a certain stop at the end of this you're like oh i maybe wasn't expecting that and so i like the idea that kind of you know we all have our ideas in this world of, you know, what's awaiting us, you know, at the end. Um, but none of us totally know a hundred percent for sure. And this plays very much into that, that they have convictions and they have ideas and sometimes empirical evidence of how their life is and what's awaiting them, but it's all a mystery. So I, that's, there's something very attractive about that. And, uh, and very exciting. So a lot of stories, you you kind of know what to expect and you're just waiting to get to point Z. And this one, I have no idea where this is going. Also the case in Terrace Apart number one mm. from uh, How to Train Your Dragon director, Jay Baruchel. <laughs> I think, I'm, I know he's done other things, but Wait, that's did the he, first. He didn't dir- no, he, am I getting him mixed up with John Francis Daly again? I am. No, no, no. He, Jay Baruchel acted in how to train your dragon yes he was the lead he was a uh, hiccup a very good trilogy a very underrated trilogy oh, yes I believe. absolutely and if you happen to have read all of the novels which i have with my children twice oh very cool nothing like it yeah nothing like completely it. unrelated yeah and not in a bad way actually it's kind of nice because you get two different versions of the kind of thing yeah great movies um but uh, over here with Van Jensen, a name I have seen around comics in and out for, for a while now, oh, yeah. uh, from Dark Horse with art by Alessandro Maselli and, uh, and Taylor Esposito, letterer to the indie stars. Um, I had no idea what this was going to be. And I think I liked it. I like it as well. So there, the, the quick elevator pitch is sort of that there's this cult in the woods. And there's a bit of, it's sort of a deadly class kind of thing where um, these kids are being trained to be assassins or killers and they kind of have force powers Mm -hmm. and there's a very much a religious cult kind of thing behind it, the guy with a big beard. But then there's a, there's a Romeo and Juliet element to it. There's some star-crossed lovers and I wish I knew more about them is my only thing with this first issue. Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise we're, we're sort of following them and they're kind of just numbers to us and we know that they care about each other. Um, but they have they, to keep it secret, but they have to keep it secret, right? Because that's not allowed. You're not, it's, 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 you're not allowed to form partnerships and that's weakness. And you're going to go out there and do some killing for the greater good. And, uh, it's very violent, very brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the art has a great dynamism to it. Um, yep. and, yeah, I think it's it's you know it's got they're going for the sort of you know Hunger Games kind of thing. It's got a, it's, kids. A, it's got a deadly class element to yeah. it, just yeah. to tie it back into the theme. Um, yeah, it was good. I think, and you know, uh, good storyteller matched up with uh, you know a comic book pro, you know, who sort of knows how to put things together, and and it was it was good. 
it's good. Usually if you see, you know, not usually, but quite often when you see the name of a person involved in other media, regardless of how good they are, you know, it, comics are hard. Comics are a form that require knowledge of comics. And so this sort of, it worked for however, however their partnership was formed. All right. It's good to go. I, th- I think sort of the interesting, sort of the questions for me is like, I think it's interesting that a lot of times you get these cult stories and you find out that the cult is like, it's all a fallacy and mm-hmm. it's, there's not, don't drink that Kool-Aid. That's not really good for you. Um, and uh, this, they actually do have powers. So there is mm-hmm. something to, to this cult and whatever they're espousing. Um, See, but when I, I started, I've read so many like apocalyptic post, post-apocalyptic because I just thought, oh, this is, these are the people who are in charge. You know, mm. this is what it is. And then like, I was like, oh, they might be sort of a splinter. Well, and that's the, that, and that's the big question is how do, mm-hmm. how do they fit into the larger world? What's, what's everything like out there mm-hmm. outside the gates? Is it like a, the village situation? Like the M. Night Shyamalan movie? Yeah. Like, is it, you know, is right. it modern? Is it, what, what is it? So, um, that I'd, I'd be very curious to see, but a good start. I want to, we can, we can touch on Shazam real quick, but we're running long. So, uh, what, what do you think? This is just super fun, and I just yeah. sort of wanted to comment on that. Uh, I love what Mark Wade and Dan Mora both have been bringing to uh, DC of late. Um, yes. This is kind of what I want from DC Comics, and Mark Wade is kind of on a roll lately. Oh, with like yeah. World's Finest, and doing like the Teen Titans book, and just really fun stuff. It plays into the Silver Age stuff. There's big dinosaurs. They're going to the Moon Emperor. It, it's it's wild and this is what shazam should be too it's it's got that all ages vibe to it uh but with big heady ideas and yeah you're missing out i, if I you're just, not reading I just hope that i just hope that people you know that sales are responding that people are appreciating it because I, I think all of those things you know mark wade's return to, to dc has been pretty much everything i wanted it to be it's uh you know it's 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 gives you sort of the same feeling that really good Jeff Johns book gives you with a different flavor because he's like he's, he's always been good but I feel like mm-hmm. he's just like I don't know on a, I like, just it's just, amazing that somebody who's been around doing this thing for so long yeah that's a thing it it you know so much joy in it I feel yes, like there's an exuberance yeah. to it that is that is very fun. Well, it turns out those were the books that we wanted to talk about, by the way. But each week, uh, the patrons, uh, patreon.com slash ifanboy of any level, uh, get to vote on a book uh, that they that they would like us to uh, read uh, compulsorily. Uh, and then we talk about that book and we rate it. And as luck would have it, even though we ran long, uh, Birds of Prey number one was the patron pick. That's, so, that's, that's me, champion of the people. Yeah. Real populist me. Uh, and we already talked about it. So there's, there's two questions that remain ratings, ratings, uh, and are you sticking with it oh. as a, as a one to five? And uh, as you know, you, you can, you can apply whatever, whatever way you would like to apply your one to five. That's how you do it. I'm giving it a 4.5, um, cause it's just the beginning, mm-hmm. but I think it was very strong as you said, and, uh, I'm absolutely sticking with it. I feel like I want to be between 4.25 and, and, and 4.5, but I think sure. that, that would just be splitting hairs. I'm going to go with 4.25, a strong 4.25. Cool. Um, yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, yeah, absolutely going to stick with it. Just I'm, really, uh, you know, it's at, we've, again, we've read hundreds of these kinds of issues, yes. but this is a very good one of those. Yep. With a, with a, with a creator who is, I, I'll follow her wherever she goes. She's on a roll. 
and and uh, everything's been fun and, and interesting. Great team overall. Just I'm I'm excited about you know this this artist yeah. and and uh, and Jordy's always great in colors, but uh, bringing something extra special to this one. So absolutely, uh, you can get yourself over to Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. You directly support the show. You can unlock shows for everybody. That's not strictly true anymore, but um, you did. So that was a thing. Uh, there's a great community on uh, Discord and Facebook. There's a monthly patron hangout. Uh, there's tier exclusive merch up there. Uh, depending on your level of support, after three months, you will receive a junior Jamoke t-shirt or tote bag or hoodie. One of those things uh, that you're doing. There's a sticker. There's a mug. But there's other things. Uh, as you jump up, there's act different access to, to different things. Uh, everybody who does that is, is a wonderful person and allows me to keep doing this thing that I love so much. That is a part of my life, uh, and I'm 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 damn glad that that people still appreciate it after all this time. So thank you. I found Threadless.com. There are 13 designs on t-shirts and more. You can put it on a skateboard, and then you can let your son skate that skateboard and really thrash that Hawkeye design. But it's okay because he's learning to skateboard, and that's super fun. Uh slash support has a direct donation link for PayPal if you don't want to deal with any of that stuff. ifanboard.com slash Amazon, where there's links to buy the books on Booksplode and other stuff uh, on the site, or just use it to get things that you need for the house like towel bars um bookshop.org is is a is a spot uh that will help you buy books from local bookstores so you will find those on the link uh where appropriate they aggregate they say okay you want this book these are the bookstores that you may you can get them from and that supports local bookstores which as as paul and i both know is extremely important it's among the greatest things you can do is support local bookstores love an aggregator (laughs) love it I took something beautiful and small and I used the word aggregator. And uh, if if only there was some sort of content that it could aggregate, then that would be a thing. Hey, every week we thank a patron who has supported us at the $5 or higher level at patreon.com slash iFanboy by giving them a custom superpower. It says dumb here, but I'm going to say custom. So uh, Roz Fincher, hope I'm getting that pronunciation right. Uh, You are able to commune with the dead. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. Could you be more specific? What's the pitch on this? I wanted it to be kind of broad um, because that's exciting. But no, um, no, I get it. I get the brief. Um, I think when you go up to an ice cream truck and you don't know what to pick, (laughs) somebody who came before is going to reach into your mind. And be like the SpongeBob thing, the thing that looks kind of like a like a melted SpongeBob on a stick with the gumballs. That that's what you want, or maybe just an ice cream sandwich. And that could be anybody. That could be your great 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 aunt. That could be Richard Milhouse Nixon from Beyond the Grave telling you, "You're gonna want to get a rocket. You're gonna want to get a SpongeBob." By the way, from experience, don't get those SpongeBobs. No. No, they're, they're they're horrendous. No, get a get a Snoopy. Yeah, get a Snoopy. That's if I can leave you. If I can impress upon so, you anything. So get basically, a Roz Fincher, at the very least, if there's some sort of issue with decision making, there's any sort of do they have to be? Do the spirits are they ever? Oh, he doesn't get to choose. Okay, I'm basically it, saying he's haunted now. He's haunted. Okay. That they're, they're going to help him make decisions and i'm not even gonna say they're the right decisions this is what happens when you bring me on is just are are they are they are they everywhere like like do the same ones falling around or does it depend on where he is or she um, it could be she i I don't really know ras to quote Haley joel osmond Uh uh-huh they're 
everywhere. Right, but when he goes to a different, like if, if Haley Joel Osment goes to the mall, there's different dead people at the mall than there are. That was say, a movie, Josh. This doesn't follow Haley Joel Osment everywhere he goes. He's done other things. First of all, I don't do that anymore. Okay. I, I stopped following Haley Joel Osment around for various reasons. Uh, and I don't appreciate you bringing it up. Sure. Okay. Let's, let's answer Chris from Chicago's question. And, uh, it says you have mentioned at various times, the comic you are referring to resembles a European comic. I've read the ink owl by Alejandro Jodorowsky and Mobius along with the anthologies of 2000 AD. And I don't see a difference between the European comics and American, American comics. What am I missing? It's a great question. It is. And I was very curious how you would approach this. Oh, and you I, didn't and, know and you so you wanted me to do it. No, I do, but I don't know that I can... Well, there's a few different things, right? There's, yes. So there's the lineage. So you mentioned Mobius. A lot of European comics, you can look at it and say, okay, I can see a little bit of Mobius in here. And, 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 and the, it's difficult to find words for that. But what I would say, here, here are things that I look for that will describe that. There is a fluidity and a curvature. I don't see hard angles. I don't see necessarily a lot of depth of field and realism. Okay. But I do see incredibly detailed uh, living worlds that the characters are within. Um, There's an immense scope to things, but it isn't necessarily technically, you know, it it doesn't look like all of the it's very technically adept, but it's almost more natural and fluid than somebody who, you know, does everything with the T square and with the, or, you know, what would have been. Um, and, and I feel like this is that there's more panels. I feel like they have a bigger page size a lot of times. Yes. So there's panels are That's more. That's the other thing. It's sort it's of like, dense. is the, you've got the publishing style, the publishing cadence of Europeans, like they'll do longer single issues, but fewer of them. So that's a thing in terms of like the stylistic stuff. Yeah. So you, you get the Mobius thing. I would say, um, um, the panel is more of a thing like the austerity of a, of a rectangular panel. Whereas I feel like Western comics or even manga are more you're, fast and loose. You're Jack Kirby, Neil Adams type dynamic panels, right. tilted, breaking through panels with, with hard lines. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I think that's correct. That the pan, breaking panel borders is a thing, and and I got it. You know, really is a feeling. I think uh, mm-hmm. you know, you look at thousands and thousands and thousands of comic book pages, and it is not. You know, it isn't. Um, it isn't a hard and fast rule. I think you could say, like, if you wanted to drill down, there was a movement in the 2000s. And there's and many of them are still around of Spanish comic book artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had mentioned earlier, um, help me, the name of the person. It's all gone. There was a bunch of uh, Marcos Martin oh. or um, there's other guys sort of in that sort of club. And they all have, there's a style there. There's something, there's a, lo- there's a long, thin lankiness to a lot of stuff. Um, again, that, that w- the word keeps coming back to me and I don't know how to explain this, but there is a fl- fluidity. Like when you just said manga, right. you can tell what manga is and manga isn't about big eyes. Manga is about movement along a straight flat line. You know where you could, you see a manga page in your head mm-hmm. and 
you know, like a diagonal panel border is going straight down. And it's a hard edge. And the speed lines are all coming out like that. There's no, I feel like there's not speed lines in European comics. I also feel that there's South American uh, artists, Argentinians and Brazilians who sort of have this style too. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the thing. I, I Everything's like, sort of blending and And there's a yeah. lot of like, there's a, a oh, um, We're getting older, Josh. We're not the names oh. aren't coming to it. Yeah, no, I I know. I was hoping, and I was like, there's you there's, a, there's guy, a Greek but... comic artist who uh, his he said his influences were both manga, but then European stuff as well. So like the closer we get to today, everything's just blending because everybody's mm-hmm. reading everybody else and from everywhere else, and you have access. Yes, to that stuff. yeah, yeah, that's totally true. But it there was... was like sort of a like there was sort of a, a a Pangea element to comics like earlier on. In, in, in the 20th century where you were all, like, if you were in, you know, France or Belgium, you were only reading that stuff. And then you're slowly getting access to other things. Well, you know, that, that is a really interesting point is that with the, the rise of the internet, globalism, all that <laughs> stuff, it's definitely become more of a melting pot. And so if you are a younger reader, I don't know how old Christian Chicago is, but you may not remember a time when most of the comics in America looked like Tom Grummet and Jerry Ordway and John Byrne. They were of that type. Mm-hmm. Vertigo comics comes along and they start pulling in um, a lot of British artists, the 2000 AD, which he said he read now to me, br- British, uh, you know, that, that sort of 2000 AD thing, Jock is an outlier. That doesn't count, but your guys like Steve Dillon, uh, Carlos Escara, um, uh, I'm trying to uh, other guys that you you would see do Garth Ennis books and things like that. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a bombast, but there's a cartoonishness to it. It isn't again. It's not badly drawn, but it's the features are exaggerated slightly. Again, there's a lot of detail, um, but it's hard line work. It's not like sketchy at all. Yes. Um, and then if we were to go again in the 2000s, there were a lot of artists from Italy. And there still are, but there was a style back then and it was more, there was like painterly and I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Salvador La Roca, but that's actually a little bit different. Um, there were other, like, it's, it's more like if Alex Ross was on acid. <laughs> it's so easy to get like, so esoteric with it too, because it's so yes. subjective and, and uh, but there it's, it's, you know, it's the classic pornography thing. Like, you know it when you see it. And, right. Um, and, like I can listen to guitar players and I can say, not everyone, because I'm not, but I can listen to guitarists and be like, Oh, this guy is a Hendrix guy. This guy is a Joe Satriani guy. There's a, there's a style and they're all playing the same notes with the same machines. Um, but I think that it would help to remember a time when it was more separated. Mm hmm. Uh, when, when, you know, Italian, like now, you know, you, you look through Marvel and it is, you know, United Colors of Benetton, if, if we're talking about old references. Right. I mean, it's people like there's, there's seeing an American artist on a Marvel comic now is, is like novel. Right. Like, oh, it is. Wow. So, or, or at least a new one. You know, there's, there's certainly American artists who are doing stuff, but they're almost always names. The new guys coming up, you know, they have a hard time, I think, uh, who are, I don't know if that's economic or whatever it is, but. Um, you know, and they're from all over the place, South America and Europe and the Baltics and uh, not so much Asia, as far as I can tell. But, um, you know, Italy is really big right now. What's that like, like, like uh, 
Philippines and like Indonesia and stuff less than like say China or Japan. I mean, there's there's yes, but some, Uh, and 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 I mean the 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 immediate sort of cool thing about it is that on any given Wednesday, the the art in comic books is incredibly diverse and interesting and stylistic. Um, you know, in the best form. In, in the other one, there's a lot of people who maybe you're not quite ready for prime time. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of style, a lot more style than there ever was. Um, and 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 now the the publishers are open to it in a way that they were not 15 years ago. That's great. That's it's it's really exciting. It is. It is. I want to see something different. I want to open the pay, open the cover and be blown away by something otherworldly. You want to find a Philippe Andrade? Yes. You know, and say, oh, this person is doing something interesting. I want to find an Eduardo Riso. I want to find a Leandro Fernandez. I want to find, you oh, know. Um, I think next next week, sometime this month, we've got a new Batman book from uh, Rafael Grandpa. There you go. It's awesome. Brazilian. Yeah. Uh, 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 Gian Domenico. Mm. Um, I mean, it's endless. Uh, it's It's really like it's, I could see why you wouldn't be able to tell European artists. And yeah. maybe we're using the wrong nomenclature because, you know, European, I think you know, you're right. Like, like when I say European comics, I am thinking of Mobius and his antecedents. Um, right. Yeah. And, and yeah, cause within that there's like, there's the Franco Belgian stuff. And so like Hergé and, th- and there right. are a lot of, you can see even to today, there's a, like, if you go and look in the Fantagraphics catalog, there's new stuff um, being made in that style, in the, mm-hmm. in the album style. Um, and that's usually what I think of less, less the the actual style, less the, um, yeah, less the, you know, the the figure drawing style, more the, how it's published, the cadence of how it's Mm -hmm. published and like the bigger issues, the album style, it's somewhere between a single, what we know is a single issue and a, and a graphic novel is the album. And if you're talking, it's interesting because. All right, maybe when you're looking at quote-unquote art styles, we're definitely not getting you this next one. We'll wrap it up after this. But when you are looking at you know art styles, whatever it is you're calling that, then there's, there's a certain thing about what it looks like. And then there's a certain thing about how it moves and how it is paced. And actually, I think European comics, not the artist, but European comics, because of what you're saying, Paul, are paced extremely different. If you, if you, you, know, you read the Incal, it does not move like an American 22-page issue, 20-page issue. Uh, if you look at Black Sad, the pages are paced differently, just like manga pages are paced differently. They fly. You spend time on a European style comic yes. book you, page. You get to relax. You get to sit with it. Whereas, because yeah, you they, pick up a, a they regular put a lot of time into it. You want to. Yeah, I'm a sure wh- they would be mortified to watch Americans fly through their comics. Mm-hmm. You know the the way that that we do. You know the, the superhero comics, but so there's. 10 minutes or so of what we think you may have been missing, Chris. Um, <laughs> I really liked this question an awful lot. Yeah. Because it made me have to try to think about it. And I think that we we got somewhere, but I still think we scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear somebody who was, you know, has better yeah, words. Yeah, definitely. People weigh in on this because yep. it's a great question. Uh, that's a great question. We've been getting a lot of great questions. I've got this other one. I'm going to save it. It's going to go from script to script until we find something to do with it. Uh, contact at ifanboy.com is where you can write in. You can also send in questions for the Media Explode show there. You can put that in the subject line, and that would be helpful. There have been some podcasts that we had coming out a couple of weeks ago, Justice League War World, the, the Animation Brain Trust, of which you are a part. Is that yes. correct? Yep. That's right, me. So. 
still doing those, putting in the time. Meanwhile, I am slowly going through the Justice League animated series with my son over the course of almost a year. Uh, but it's great. Nice. Know, good times. Uh, last week, uh, or the week whenever, sometime recently, uh, I had Rick Remender on my Talks Below show. Um, we, we did our hour and change, uh, talked about a, a, a really uh, momentous and interesting career and a thoughtful creator, and I asked him questions about that, uh, and he's really forthcoming because that's what he does. He's very honest in his work and the way that he talks. Uh, and then this last week was our media explode episode of the 80s Comedy Draft, a ridiculous game that we came up with, with an hour ago. Uh, where we, we drafted <laughs> 80s comedies and, and came up with a sort of dumb definition of what that is uh, and what qualifies as a movie like that. You should go listen to that. We also talked about the things that we have been watching, which is always fun uh, with myself and Connor and our, and our uh, founder of the show, Ron Richards. And you can find our library of over 1,300 shows and counting at iFanboy.com or wherever podcasts are sold. You can follow us at iFanboy Comics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And this week, for example, when Connor is out of town, it will show up on Instagram, but much later than normal, much to uh, the aforementioned Connor's chagrin. Sometimes there's the best of the week in panels. This is not going to be one of those weeks. Uh, you can follow us individually. I am at J.A. Flanagan. Connor is at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. Paul, you are, what are you on? Anymore? I am uh, on Instagram, fuzzy typewriter. That's kind of it for me right now. I'm under That's the radar. Choice. Off the yeah. grid. Flying. You want, you want to handle the next bit of business? Absolutely. Subscribe to youtube.com slash iFanboy where you'll find all the old video shows. Oh my goodness. There are some gems in there. And we post this <laughs> show every week. Please consider writing us a review or leaving a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. There it was. I think we could have kept going. That was a good time. Could have done it. I, I don't think I said this, but I was thinking it as I read my stack of books this week is I... I really enjoyed my comic. I had a bunch of good comics. Um, there's a bunch of books in this that we didn't talk about, but I finished yeah. them and I was like, that was great. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't even like, wow, I was floored by this craft or whatever. I just had, you know, you Dr. Strange or Ma amazing Spider-Man, all these, you know, we didn't talk about a lot of them, but I, I just finished. I was like, this is fun comics this week. Yes. Um, yeah. As you can see, I don't, there wasn't even, there wasn't a lot of criticism going on No. No. Nope. So that, yeah, that was a good one. I'm glad you got to come on for a good week. This was a good week. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. As opposed to and one of those. Thank you for having me. Oh man, it was great. I'm, I'm delighted. I, I hope people enjoyed listening to it. And if you're like, who the fuck is this? Paul was on the show with us for years. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah for, it was a good chunk of time there. <laughs> years. Um, every week too. Not like Ryan. Ryan's a dilettante. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he dives <laughs> in. You you were in for the hall. <laughs> that's that's enough, guys. And we're like, we understand. We don't know how to stop. I was like, um, the, I was the shemp. No, of the I found what? No, I don't know. I don't know. Was Shemp was Shemp the smart one? Shemp was he was just the other one. He was just, right. I didn't know. Like I don't know this. Still. Like I figure like maybe there's one where like he's too smart for the group because no you know, no no. Mo and Larry are dumb. I don't know. Wait, Shemp replaced Mo, right? Or did he replace Curly? Larry. No, he Curly. Larry. Curly. 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 Okay. Mo and, so yeah. Anyways. <laughs> I'm Josh. I'm Paul. All right. Take care, everyone. <laughs>